0: This episode is a look back and a look ahead at diesel engines with Alan Schaefer of the Diesel Technology Forum. The day we recorded this podcast would have been the 164th birthday of Rudolf Diesel. This episode is both a tribute to the inventor of the diesel engine and a look ahead at the latest diesel emissions regulations recently proposed by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Joining me is Alan Schaefer, the Executive Director of the Diesel Technology Forum, With the diesel engine now more than 125 years old, Alan shares his thoughts on whether the machine will be around long enough to see its 150th birthday. Before we begin, remember to follow and connect with us on social media and subscribe to the Heavy Duty Trucking YouTube channel.
1: This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at circlekfleetcards.com.
0: Hi there, Alan, and welcome to HTT Talks Trucking.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. It's a great, great uh, tribute for uh, for Rudolph Diesel to be with you today.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you think so. Um, <clears throat> thinking in terms of uh, the development that the diesel engine meant to the industrial revolution, uh, where do you think we'd be today without diesel engines?
1: Boy, that's a that's a. That's a hard one to, to think about. I think, you know, diesel replaced the steam engine effectively. So we went from something that was maybe 10% thermally efficient when it was uh, at its peak uh, to something today that, at least in commercial truck engines, is, you know, about 50% uh, thermally efficient. So, boy, it's hard to imagine where we'd be without, uh, without the advancements and uh, in, in the, really the invention that we call diesel today.
0: At the time, was, was there a contender to the diesel engine? I don't think gasoline engines were uh, developed yet. Uh, they were coming, but w- would gasoline have done as good a job as diesel over the years?
1: Yeah, I don't think so because really the, the, the thing that, uh, that Rudolf Diesel did so well was to identify uh, the thermodynamic capabilities of compression ignition, right? So the idea of using a fuel that was more energy dense and then uh, combusting that fuel in a way that that captured more of it to useful energy than wasted it to heat really was uh, was quite innovative for the time. And so, you know, it, uh, it it's hard to see, and and I think it's reflected really in the choices that consumers have today. That you don't see any 10 or 12 liter gasoline engines because the heat loss and the the, the thermal issues would just be so significant that it, it wouldn't make sense. But um, when you're starting with diesel, that's, you know, 10 to 12 percent more energy efficient on a gallon basis compared to gasoline. And then you burn that fuel in a diesel engine, you're you know able to get those much higher thermal efficiencies.
0: I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that the first engine that he developed actually ran on peanut oil.
1: It is, you know, it's one of the things—the curiosities about Rudolf Diesel—as I've learned more about it over the years. You know, he was really interested in the transfer of heat, and sort of got all into that. Did a whole bunch of things, even did some solar uh, kind of work in his uh, in his early days. Um, But uh, he was he was very uh, mindful of uh, society, and at that time, it was an issue of his technology enabling uh, smaller artisans and smaller businesses. To exceed and not to uh, support sort of large industrial complexes. So he was thinking about the role of his engine in society in that context. And, you know, today we think of it, um, and he, he had a preference for using uh, the vegetable-based oils um, as fuel. So, you know, those are two things uh, that in 1897 that were probably pretty innovative, but today we're looking back and saying, okay, that, that's pretty interesting because today what are we thinking about? We're thinking about using more renewable biofuels and diesel engines, and we're also thinking about the sociological impacts of all these technologies as we try and tackle climate change. So the guy was pretty, he was pretty on the ball and thinking ahead in in the 1800s.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the diesel, the original diesel was the original biofuel engine.
1: It really was.
0: That's pretty cool. Absolutely. And when did diesel fuel as we know it today come along? Well,
1: diesel fuel has been around since the early 1900s, in, in sort of the substantial form that we know it of today, in sort of a distillate fuel. Um, it, of course, evolved over time, and I think took over the trucking industry probably in the in the 60s, sometime uh, 60s, late 60s, early 70s. I think was the tipping point where uh, manufacturers really started to see the advantages of diesel and started to offer those those kinds of options to consumers. So. Um, you know, it's had a had a long history, and um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's of course undergone some some change since then. But um, you know, it is uh, it is really recognized around the world as the the global fuel of work, and um, it's going to be with us for quite a good while.
0: Okay, so between uh, the late 1800s, when Rudolf Diesel invented the thing, and the 1960s, as you say, when it sort of took off in trucking, where did that engine find uh, its service?
1: Well, it was really, um, you know, it, its initial um, manifestations were um, used in, in larger activities such as, you know, moving moving goods by um, by rail and, and sort of looking at marine applications as well because it was generally big and heavy. You know, we really hadn't had the optimization that, that came along with more advanced manufacturing. So um, until those changes took place, it was really limited to some of the bigger uh, kinds of applications. But once folks got really familiar with um, and using some of the advanced metallurgy and sort of engine design, um, that really enabled the diesel technology to be uh, compactly designed and fit into just a myriad of different applications.
0: If he were looking down at us today, uh, what do you think he'd think of the progress we've made with his original idea? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think he would be in awe, really, of the of the diversity of, of and how far his technology uh, goes across the world and, and really every corner of of the world in terms of what it's able to do. And, you know, from faraway countries that, um, you know, are still trying to find their way to economic progress and viability. And you see diesel engines, you know, providing uh, power for little communities and villages. It's the only uh, source of energy that they have for pumping water or, um, you know, running some uh, electricity from time to time. So, you see that, and then you see this heavy industrialization that we have you know, here in the U.S. in a developed country. So I think it'd be pretty amazing to look at that. And and also, you know, he was a very simple person in terms of the focus on heat transfer. And to look back and say, you know, the engine that he started with was achieving, you know, about mid-20s to 30% efficiency. And today, you know, last year, the Department of Energy's program with SuperTruck um, announced that they had broken the 55% Break thermal efficiency barrier. So, you know, really um, nearly doubling his uh, his his invention's performance over that period of time. So, I think those are two things that would really uh, make him proud.
0: At that fifty five percent barrier. I, if folks aren't aware that that is an absolute huge uh, improvement over where we started, and getting there was not easy, was it?
1: No, no. And it's, you know, uh, I think the next, the next chapter of diesel is going to, you know, define sort of how much we can leverage those technologies that, that get to 55% thermal efficiency.
0: Well, that's provided the regulators don't get in our way. <laughs> Just a reminder we're talking with Alan Schaefer, the executive director of the Diesel Technology Forum. We'll be back with more from Alan right after this. Clarion's Technologies is a global leader in transportation technology. Known for its family of innovative and leading brands, our best-in-class capabilities, global scale, and extensive industry insight provide the technologies that keep the world moving forward. To learn more about Clarion's Technologies and its family of brands, visit clarionstechnologies.com. We're back with Alan Schaefer of the Diesel Technology Forum Alan, uh, you'll recall back on the 7th of March, the EPA proposed a new set of emissions rules for commercial vehicles. This proposal focuses mostly on NOx, uh, and the text of that proposal runs about 1,400 pages. Could you describe some of the salient points for us of that proposal and, and maybe explain uh, what it could mean for truck makers and truck fleets?
1: Uh, sure, I'll give you a, sort of the 30,000 kind of foot. Tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, we have uh, done tremendous work to virtually, uh, we, we talk about getting the, today's diesel engine is, is near zero emissions for nitrogen oxides and, and particulate matter. And this rule effectively uh, takes us further down that road. So the end result will be a diesel engine um, and gasoline and natural gas, they're all under the same standards, um, will be achieving even nearer to zero emissions. So um, the rule has a sep- uh, several different components to it. Um, and it's a proposal. So there's a number of options that EPA is considering. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just in a, in a very simple perspective. One of them is is much like the California option, which requires manufacturers to reduce um, NOx emissions from diesel engines um, by, you know, roughly 90%, starting out with a, a, a little bit of a phase in in, in 2027 and then a full drop down to. Um, uh, to the required uh, point .2, um, I'm sorry, to the, uh, the required um, uh, California level, uh, the, the .05 um, in, in 2031. So it's a, you know, it's a, sizable, a sizable jump. Um, the second option is one that takes effect more immediately and goes from today's .2 gram down to the .05 right off the bat in 2027, which is about five years from where we are today. Um, so two different pathways are the primary considerations here, um, and if you look at where they get us in in 2045, where this rule is fully implemented, um, it's very close in terms of uh, in terms of NOx reduction. Um, so, um, but there's uh, the numbers are just the beginning of the consideration of this rule. There's a whole range of other other features to it that um, are important to consider and and, you know a couple of those just to to keep in mind Um, one is the test procedures and certification process themselves Um, and one of the things we've learned about the diesel engine that we have today the latest generation is that um, at certain operating conditions the emissions control technology um, does not deliver the maximum efficiency in NOx reduction So, at low loads and and slow speeds, like you might find in congestion on a highway, um, those SCR systems are not quite as effective as they are when they're at optimum temperature and optimum load. And so, that means that the NOx emissions from those engines are a bit higher than might have been expected. Um, So, this rule will will address that through uh, different certification procedures that will require manufacturers to um, address these low load and and, uh, operating uh, conditions and establish performance standards uh, for those conditions as well. Um, so that's point that's point one. The other aspects of this rule um, is that it starts to get into areas that uh, are important for, for truckers, including issues like warranty and uh, considerations of useful life. Um, today, uh, a diesel engine has to be meeting the standards for 435,000 miles. Um, under this proposal, that would jump to 600,000 miles. Wow. So it's a it's a pretty healthy increase, yeah. and uh, the warranty obligations for manufacturers are are also beefed up. So they're going to have more liability for emissions performance um, throughout the useful life um, of the diesel engine, and that's to uh, address issues about the components to make sure that they're all still functioning properly, etc. So the standards are just the tip of the iceberg, and you have to look at this as the whole package of uh, warranty considerations, timing. Uh, the useful life requirements um, and uh, uh, and the test procedures themselves. So it's uh, it's 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 quite a piece of work.
0: Hmm. Uh, generally speaking, what makes knock so difficult to deal with? Uh, this is going to be a tough one to overcome. Um, why is that?
1: Well, it's 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 not so much that it is difficult to deal with. It's that the technology exists to do it. Uh, the challenge is to do it and continue. Continue to make a vehicle an engine perform in the way that the trucking industry wants, which optimizes fuel efficiency and all the other factors that they've become accustomed to with diesel, which is a long, useful life, a very durable engine, um, very high-performing engine in terms of torque, etc. So the real the real challenge is is the balancing act, and particularly now because if you if you wind back the clock to 2000. Um, when we took this step that we took today, um, that was a step that went from, you know, man, uh, NOx emissions were considerably higher. We were at five grams roughly, and today we're at, uh, you know, at, at, at 0.2. Um, and so that was a huge jump. Now we're talking about going from 0.2 down to, you know, 0.05. So it's much less of an impact um, in terms of the, the reduction in NOx. But The engineering challenge and the cost challenge and the feasibility, even measuring down at this very low level, are are really the the challenges for this round of emission standards. And these are unlike anything that industry saw back in 2000.
0: Mm -hmm. Just to be clear, uh, this rule doesn't cover any of the other pollutants, does it? Uh, Soot and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it's not not directly the not directly, the NOx okay. the NOx reduction is uh, is really the primary focus here. Um, there are other aspects of the rule that get into regulating greenhouse gas emissions. They're going to propose updating uh, some of the Phase Two uh, greenhouse gas standards for I think seventeen of the thirty three different categories of heavy duty vehicles, and that includes vocational trucks and some mm-hmm. of the larger vehicles as well. And and that that change is. In EPA's words, you know, sort of reflects the fact that more zero emission vehicles um, are becoming available. So the opportunity to address the greenhouse gas standards um, uh, is is something the agency feels like it's going to take advantage of while this rulemaking is in process. So, I guess the principal focus is Knox on this particular rule.
0: Okay, uh, you mentioned near zero. Uh, that's a term we hear a lot these days, along with zero emissions vehicles. How close to zero are we?
1: Very close, you know, and, and numerically close. We, we have been close since 2011 uh, model year. You know, we're at 0.2, and we're talking about going from that level to a 0.05. Um, and this is a very, um, you know, it's a different kind of a step. And um, we say near zero. Um, I mean, ultimately, when we think about these, these terms, um, we could compare it to what we say, you know, zero emission vehicles. Are they truly zero emissions, or or are they zero tailpipe emissions? Zero because tailpipe, yeah. Some emissions may be coming from the generation of the fuel or electricity. In that case, um, in some cases um, there may not be that. So um, near near zero is really uh, where we are with uh, with diesel these days, and we're we're going to be nearer to zero, however this rule turns out, at the end of this year.
0: Do you think there'll ever be a zero emissions diesel engine? Is that practical? In,
1: you know, conceivably, um, if you had um, uh, the right fuels and, and had some way to maybe capture some carbon along the way um, the, that would balance out the uh, the combustion process, it's entirely possible. I think some of the work that um, uh, some of the, the companies like Acadies Powers doing with their opposed piston concept mm-hmm. and um, and using some advanced renewable fuels there, um, and some other strategies could, you know, could get uh, could make diesel very, very, uh, very competitive with um, with some of these uh, uh, electric or other hydrogen-based uh, non-fossil fuel vehicles. Well,
0: this is a sort of a question that's troubled me for a long time. When you when you talk to the activists uh, and, and the folks that are way out on the fringes, they they insist that diesel should have been gone ten years ago, and they and they can't be gone soon enough. For them, we know that, and the industry knows that diesels are going to be around for a long time to come. We don't know how long, but decades. We've heard. Uh, is there going to come a point? Do you think where the engine makers just say we can't pour any more money into these things, any more R and D and development and technology improvement money, to with a, a sunset at some point in in its lifetime?
1: I think it's very hard to say. I mean, manufacturers are really trying to thread the needle right now between bringing on some of these new technologies like electric and hydrogen and knowing full well that there are many uncertainties down the road with those technologies, um, not the least of which is infrastructure, Um Government incentives and other kinds of funding considerations are, are really critical to get that uh, moving uh, towards some kind of uh, momentum and, and ultimate market uh, impact that would make it competitive with diesel. Um, so they're in a they're in a you know a very challenging position, but they do want to continue to serve their customers. And uh, you know, over 90% of the trucking industry really is small trucking companies and you know, we hear a lot about um, uh, investments and uh, 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 testing and demonstrations of alternate fuel vehicles and zero emission vehicles from um, really big name carriers in the industry. And, and those are fantastic. You know, companies like um, NFI and, and UPS and FedEx, uh, those, those guys are doing, you know, some really excellent uh, work and helping to plow ground for the rest of the industry and, and learning about these new fuels and technologies. You know what, by the same token, I mean, this industry is really made up of lots of small businesses, uh, two, three, four, 20 vehicles and less makes up really the largest uh, portion of the trucking industry per se. So are these alternatives to diesel going to be right for that sector? Um, And if they are, when is that going to happen? I think it's anyone's guess. And you know, uh, even the policies that are in place now, uh, you're looking at California, which is effectively, you know, uh, mandating that manufacturers sell zero emission vehicles, uh, trucks uh, in the coming years. Um, even that that rule as it stands today still fully contemplates in 2035 that um, 40% of new sales would be zero emission vehicles. Um, so that means 60% of sales are going to be something you know, could be something else, and that something else is fully contemplated to be diesel. So um, the continued innovation of this technology is is critical to keep making progress in clean air. And I think you know you mentioned the comment about activists. I think one of the one of the challenges that we face in this rule is that um, you know it's so focused on the future and getting into a, an even smaller box of emissions performance. Um, that we have, you know, uh, maybe uh, there's the opportunity to address the bigger pool of NOx emissions from all the existing pre-2010 vehicles out there, you know, is is really truly enormous. Um, we know from our research that about half, 50% of the heavy-duty uh, commercial trucks on the road today are 2011 and newer, uh, which means that half are not. And so mm-hmm. um, the NOx emissions from that portion of vehicles um, is pretty substantial, and I would hazard a guess that um, if, if we were to really put our minds to it and look to upgrade that fleet to the current generation of diesel, we could make tremendous progress not only on reducing NOx and, and ozone kinds of concerns, but even um, some of the greenhouse gas issues. So, um, there's there's plenty of opportunity there, I think, um, and manufacturers are, you know, have limited investments and have to sort of balance all these things out. Um, and it's just so much uncertainty. And that, uh, that's not a friend of business when you have so much uncertainty, not only in the, in the policy front, but on, even on the technology and infrastructure front.
0: No, uncertainty creates things like pre-buys and you know, misinformation and misperceptions and what have you. Uh, that's always dangerous. Indeed. Um, um, I don't want to put you out of your sort of um, sphere of expertise here, but looking at all the other sources of NOx, that are around uh, what else could we be going after uh, not to take the pressure off diesel, but you know, certainly to, to uh, everybody pitch in and help out with the cause as it were.
1: Yeah, well, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, um, interesting question. I think, um, you know, part of the, uh, part of this administration's activities that are going to address the clean power plan are going to bring in some, uh, some, some, Some I should say returns probably some of the controls and constraints on the electric power industry. Um, That's going to address some uh, some emissions from that perspective. Um, As the as the commercial vehicle sector starts to um, get smaller in terms of its NOx contribution, then there are other sectors out there. Um, You know the shipping um, off road sector start to come in mind um, that also are reliant on diesel engines. So. Um, they may not be trucking, but they're also uh, still still powered by diesel. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are, you know, plenty of uh, interest in sort of the next next steps for off-road engines and equipment for even tighter standards in California. And that's a process they're actually workshopping as we speak. So um, there's going to be some addressing of that in other places. So some of these efforts to reduce NOx from other sources are already underway. Um and uh, we'll have to see how it how it shakes out. But this is uh, one of the one of the largest pieces, this sector of the transportation community.
0: Okay. Uh, before we let you go, um, we had a similar conversation, but a year ago, talking about the future of the diesel engine. Uh, maybe now you could give me a 2021 update. Uh, where do you think we'll be in ten or fifteen years, with this new rules and everything else starts to come together and play for us?
1: Yeah, so I think uh diesel's going to continue to dominate the, the, the lion's share of the trucking industry, particularly the heavy-duty long haul. I think, uh, you know, we're going to se- definitely see, we're seeing it already, that there's going to be um, more uh, zero-emission vehicles in some of the smaller, lighter-duty segments and last-mile delivery. That's happening, and that's going to, I think, uh, benefit us all in terms of what that brings to the table. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some, some hydrogen and electrification in the long-haul heavy-duty segment. Um, how far that gets uh, out in the penetration, I think it's really hard to say. Um, I hope we're using a lot more renewable low-carbon fuels as a strategy to address um, greenhouse gas emissions from a much larger population of vehicles than just going after uh, new technology down the road. Um, so, you know, I think uh, we're definitely expecting, you know, diesel is going to continue to play a, a pretty big role here and well out beyond 2035.
0: That's good to hear. I love the smell of diesel. Still do. Always have and still do. <laughs> We've been talking with Alan Schaefer. He's the executive director of the Diesel Technology Forum. Alan, thanks for sharing those insights with us and uh, happy birthday to Rudolph. Thank
1: you very much, Jim. Great to be with you.
0: Well, thanks for staying with us right to the end. We've done a few other podcast episodes on the future of diesel engines and the technology engineers are bringing to bear on the emissions requirements. You can check out those while you're still in the mood and please check out our other video podcasts on YouTube. Just search for HDT Talks Trucking. Remember to follow and connect with us on social media and leave us a rating and a review if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. You'll find links to all of our social media pages in the podcast description. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.